Decatur Police Chief announces his retirement. Bloomington Normal has hot lineup for concerts this summer. More on these stories, I'm Kelsey Watsonauer. I'm Sierra Henry. And this is Lee Enterprises Long Story Short. Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Long Story Short, where we recap Central Illinois news from Lee Enterprises journalists. A bit of breaking news as we were sitting here, Kelsey and I got a alert that the CDC has announced that vaccinated teachers and students do not need to wear their masks inside school buildings. What that means for us, we do not know yet because we are literally recording this podcast as this news has been announced. So more on that to come probably tomorrow if you check probably all of our three websites pianograph.com jg-tc.com and um herald-review.com uh with that we're just going to jump into a little bit of state government news and um kelsey's gonna kelsey's gonna kick it off but we're gonna introduce a special guest this afternoon Governor J.B. Pritzker has made clean energy a focus, and in one of his most recent proposals, he stated he would force all coal-fired plants in the state to close by 2035, unless they can achieve 90% carbon capture and sequestration of emissions. But while a lofty goal, the proposal could have serious ramifications for major employers like Prairie State Energy Campus, which provides baseload power for more than 2.5 million customers in Illinois and across the Midwest. To further illustrate just how such a proposal could affect coal plants and doms in Illinois, Lee Enterprises State House reporter Britton Moore has spoken with Prairie State Energy Campus and others in a two-part investigation series, the first of which ran last weekend across our three websites and on the front page of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Today, Britton is joining us to talk about these stories, the series, and the people he spoke with. I wrote two stories on this topic. The first ran last week, and that focused on the Prairie State Energy Campus, which is a 1600 megawatt coal-fired power plant in Marissa, which is about 40 miles southeast of St. Louis. And so I looked at a few different facets, most notably the impact on the 2.3 million people that get electricity from the plants, uh, but also the municipalities that have taken out bonds to pay for the plants. Uh, a lot of them have already paying it through the 2040s, and the plant, uh, at least under uh, Governor Pritzker's proposal, is supposed to close by 2035, maybe 2045, if you can achieve 90% carbon sequestration and capture uh, technology that's not yet available or exists. Uh, either way, it would be a premature closure because the plant opened in 2012 and uh, most of these plants have a 60 to 70 year lifespan. So uh, there's a significant impact there. Uh, and then obviously uh, there's the local jobs and economic impact in Southern Illinois. Uh, the second story I wrote for this week is kind of a broader look at the uh, baseload energy situation in Central and Southern Illinois. So you have these coal and the natural gas plants that are uh, going to be closing whether under this legislation or because of market forces. Uh, a lot of coal, a lot of companies that own coal plants have either shuttered them or have announced retirement dates, most no later than 2027. Simply put, coal is not as efficient, uh, not as uh, not as cheap anymore as as natural gases or as renewables like wind and solar. Uh, so you already have that happening. But uh, regardless of, of why it's happening, uh, it, it creates this situation where you have real questions about reliability and affordability on the grid in central and southern Illinois. Uh, another thing we have to remember, too, is that 
uh, Central and Southern Illinois are in the MISO region, Regional Transmission Organization, or as uh, Northern Illinois, Chicago is in the PJM region. And that means that uh, Northern part of the state is at a distinct advantage because they have five of the six nuclear plants in the state, uh, which provide a significant amount of baseload carbon-free energy to that region that you simply don't have that capacity in central and southern Illinois, especially as uh, coal and, and natural gas plants eventually come offline. So it's going to be a question that that is uh, going to be important as these discussions continue in Springfield over the next few months on clean energy uh, and over the next few years as we move towards that carbon-free future that everybody seems to agree is going to happen at some point, even if there are disagreements on the, uh, the, the uh, explicit details of it. Thank you so much for joining us, Brendan, and providing our listeners with a very long story short version of this incredibly important topic. As always, it was a pleasure to have you on the pod, and we look forward to featuring more of our reporters working on these important issues in the future. Uh, but for now, Sierra is going to take us into some local government news, starting with a little update from the U.S. Census. Here's a quick piece of census news that should bode well for our college and university towns such as Bloomington, Normal, and Charleston. Recently, I spoke with McLean County census officials about how changes in how students are reported in the census could end up benefiting university towns. Because of the pandemic, the U.S. Census Bureau allowed colleges and universities to upload a roster of students living on and off campus, when in the past they would have just relied on self-reporting from students. That can be a little tricky though, as some students may not correctly report that they live in their college town if they do not consider it their home. So due to this change, we know at least a thousand more students at ISU were counted in this past census than in previous years. Of course, we won't know the full outcome of this decision until the fall when the redistricting data is released. To read more, you can find my full story at panagraph.com. Jim Getz, uh, Decatur's police chief, announced on Wednesday he'll be retiring at the end of the month. In a statement, Getz thanked the city for giving him the opportunity to serve as chief for the last five years. He started in August of 2016 after serving as interim chief following the firing of Brad Sweeney earlier that same year. City manager Scott Wrighton said Getz was a very effective chief and brought a lot of professionalism to the department and noted he's resigning to take on a position in a non-traditional law enforcement role. The Herald Review staff has been following this story, so be sure to check out herald-review.com to read Getz's statement, watch a video from Wrighton, and get more updates as they become available. And now I'm going to move right into some health news other health-adjacent news. The service industry is not the only sector facing mass shortages as the state enters the post-COVID world. Like many restaurants, hotels, and other businesses, daycares are struggling to keep staff on board while grappling with capacity limits. Last week, Lindsay Jones and I spoke with people struggling to find daycare services due to these issues, as well as daycare owners and workers. So if you'd like to read more on how this is affecting people as we all return to work, be sure to check out our story at panagraph.com. And now how about some education news here? This week we had a story out of Paris, Illinois that's a little offbeat from traditional education news, but then again, 102-year-old Gladys Wright was not exactly a traditional student. Gladys finally checked a big one off her bucket list and graduated from high school this summer. She finished the last few credits of her degree as part of the Paris Union School District Adult Education Program, and the community threw a celebration for her turning July 7th to Gladys Wright Day. A bad case of the 
appendicitis caused her to drop out of school in 1936 and she never went back because by the time that she recovered it was in the middle of the great depression so she had to go back to work instead but she always wanted to finish what she started journal gazette and time courier reporter athena pyre was able to attend the celebration and talk to glanis about her life and her degree so if you want to hear more and you really should because she is just a gem be sure to find athena's story at jg-tc.com Central Illinois school districts and health departments are reminding families it's time to catch up on kids' immunizations before the fall semester. Childhood immunizations, physicals, and optometrists and dentist visits really took a hit last year thanks to the COVID shutdown. According to a CDC study, there was a sharp decrease in vaccine doses in the spring, though it did bounce back a little bit in the fall. Lenore Savota and I talked with Bloomington Normal Schools and Valerie Wells spoke with schools in the Decatur area about what they're doing to make sure kids are up to date and ready when it comes time to start school in August. Local health departments are advising families to get those appointments scheduled now to avoid the rush next month, and several organizations, including the McLean and Macon County Health Departments and Carl Broman, are holding clinics to make sure kids get their non-COVID shots. For more on what the school and health officials had to say, you can find the Bloomington Normal Story at Panagraph.com and find Valerie's story at Herald-Review.com. We're going to close out on education today with a quick update from Eastern Illinois University. Following other universities' lead in the state, EIU last week announced that all students, faculty, and staff returning to in-person classes are required to be fully vaccinated. Keeping with the theme of our podcast, if you want to know more about how this will affect you and your students, check out Athena Pyre's story at jg-tc.com. So Kelsey, sports? Sports. Sports? Kobe Cokeburn, the sophomore who helped bring the Fighting Illini back to the big dance last March, has decided he is going back to college this fall. Cokeburn had initially declared for the NBA draft in April, but after he was not projected among the 60 picks by CBS Sports or ESPN, he announced he's withdrawing from the draft with the intent to, quote, raise my game and improve my draft stock. That leaves one big question, of course. Where will he take his talents for his junior season? Hailed Review reporter James Boyd has the full story, including some of the many suitors hoping to catch Kofi's eye, so be sure to check that out at herald-review.com. And of course, we can't talk sports without mentioning the NBA Finals are going down. The Suns lead the Bucks 2-0 in the series so far, but hey, it's, it's still early. Um, as a Bulls fan myself, the best I can do is throw a little love for the Midwest and put my money on the Bucks and Giannis, but to be fair, Chris Paul and the Suns are definitely putting in work. So while we do focus on local sports, we also have all the finals coverage you need on our three sites too. So keep up with the showdown at panagraph.com, herald-review.com, and jg-tc.com, and tune in Sunday for Game 3. Fun news. Uh, Sarah, kick us off with some public safety and courts news. Court records in Coles County indicate state prosecutors believe Joshua Fairchild stabbed 50-year-old Chalita Branch in the throat and hit her body in his Charleston home before a well-being check led police to discover her body. Exactly when her death occurred is still unclear, and Coles County Coroner Ed Schneiders said autopsy and toxicology reports could give a more definitive timeline. Fairchild was arrested and charged with murder last week, but court documents suggest Branch's death could have taken place as far back as April 1st. Athena Pyre with the Journal-Gazette Times-Courier has the latest updates on the story, so be sure to check us out at jg-tc.com. Athena, you're doing a lot for us this week. (laughs) Thanks. 
Marshall Blanchard, the Bloomington man who drove a motorcycle into a crowd of protesters and injured two people after a rally last summer, was sentenced last week to seven years in prison. He pleaded guilty in April to two counts of failure to give information following a motor vehicle accident and one count of hate crime as part of a plea agreement. Blanchard was arrested after he drove around police barricades and into a group that was walking near the McLean County Sheriff's Office after a rally at the Law and Justice Center in response to George Floyd's murder. Judge William Workman sentenced Blanchard to seven years for failure to give information after the accident and six years for a hate crime. Those sentences will run concurrently. So for the full story with more background on Blanchard and his plea deal, you can find my story at panagraph.com. So let's uh, bring it over to some miscellaneous, fun, more fun news. Uh, Sierra, kicks off. Um, and some quick sneak peek news. Uh, health reporter Lindsay Jones has a story coming out tomorrow about bike shortages in central Illinois. What that means for us, I don't know. You're just going to have to stay tuned and read her story when it comes out tomorrow. Um, I have also worked on a story with our news clerk, Olivia Jacobs, about nightlife returning to Bloomington Normal, which um, I'm sure it's returning in other places such as Decatur and Mattoon and Charleston as well. But we talked with bar owners, restaurant owners, um, and just people, you know, out enjoying up here, <laughs> out on the sidewalk, you know. Um, so be sure to tune in with us uh, for both of those stories. In other community news, uh, concerts are back, baby. Uh, here's something our listeners in Central Illinois in the Central Illinois area might be interested in hearing. The music scene is starting to kick off this summer, and venues such as Castle Theater and Corn Crib Stadium in Bloomington Normal have a hot lineup, including hip-hop legend Nelly, <laughs> celebrating 20 years since his Diamond album, Country Grammar, was released. I have all the details and more about concert dates, ticket sales, but before we get into all that, I'll just go over some exciting bands coming to town that you don't want to miss out on. This weekend kicks off the first of the summer concert series, Distance at the Diamond at the Corn Crib, which with performances from Blues Traveler and JJ Gray and Mofro at 7 p.m. Saturday night. Tickets are on sale at thecastletheater.com, um, starting at $42.50 for grandstands and $52.50 for field general admission. The next in the series is Nelly, and we're very excited about <laughs> Nelly. His Diamond Country Grammar has sold over 2 million copies in the U.S., um, and he will be performing on August 7th, so get your tickets soon. Um, the news, the pantograph will be there. <laughs> <laughs> Not as the pantograph. Not as the pantograph, but as just concert goers. <laughs> Um, four-time Grammy winner Jason Isbell and the 400 unit are also going to be performing on August 21st. Very exciting. Um, I feel like I slipped up a lot on that reading, but it's okay. I'm really, I'm just really excited to go back to a concert. Again, the last concert that I was at, I believe, was T-Pain and Jesse McCartney, and that was four years ago, and that is four years too long. Of course, I've been to, like, you know, small, um live band performances at bars and, and that kind of thing but I haven't been to like an actual concert in four years and that's pretty sad because there for a while like at least since I was in high school I was going to a concert a year I've seen like the Black Keys, Fun, um, I've seen the Ava Brothers twice, Mumford and Sons, uh, I was a punk in high school so I went to Warp Tour at least three times, crowd surfed, did all of that. <laughs> Um, mosh pit, you know, I was it, I was in it, I was in it, if you could, if you could imagine. <laughs> uh, well, I 
as you know, Sierra, but the people don't know, I've never been to a concert. And Nelly will be my first concert, which is just a dream come true for me. I feel like uh, his like 2001 album raised me. Not the country grammar one, but the but Nellyville. Nellyville raised me. Nellyville. And I'm so, so, so excited. Um, I don't know how I got to mid to late 20s without ever being to going to a concert but now is the time i'm so excited and just generally i know a lot of uh every musician ever is coming back to touring this year so a lot of exciting things not just in our area but like if you want to go out to st louis chicago indianapolis louisville nashville our little surrounding big cities a lot a lot a lot of shows are coming and sneak away to one of those too. I'm very excited. I'm so excited. I just, you know, Nelly, speaking of Nelly, like, um, country grammar, I just, like, that song in particular, it's just, like, it's summertime, it's, like, early 2000s, I'm, like, a child, like, a literal child, like, maybe five in the backseat of my, um, cousin Bridget's car driving down the road at the pool, um, years ago oh my god 20 years ago and um just like jamming out um baby got back by sir mix a lot was like one of my favorite songs and again five-year-old like a five-year-old child love that song to this day love that song and when Nicki minaj did her remix of it i was pumped but you, there's no like you can't beat sir mix a lot right it's impossible. You can't beat it. <laughs> uh, slight edit. Um, Nellyville came out in 2002. And just to, as like proof of how much that album meant to me, I own more than I have I own more than one pair of Air Force Ones because Nelly told me to. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> uh Kelsey and I were raised on very different types of music. While I do have some hip hop, um, like memories and stuff, like uh, I, I, I was very much a punk. So we're, we're different we're a little bit. We're Nelly. both we're both going to be at Nelly. So, oh, you know what? Um, so that's gonna do it for us today, folks. As always, if you're enjoying this podcast and are reporting, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. While you're at it, head on over to Pantograph.com, Herald-Review.com, and JG-TC.com to look up subscription information and consider supporting hashtag local journalism. We're going down, down, baby. I don't know the rest. Of the <laughs> Cut it right there. <laughs>